This is Bellator Colloquium, a podcast of the Bellator Society. Bellator in Latin means warrior, and a colloquium is a conversation. We at the Bellator Society are online warriors for the true, good, and beautiful, and this podcast is our conversation about all those things and so much more. Meet us here weekly at Bellator Colloquium and at bellatorsociety.com for content that will hopefully lift you, inspire you, comfort you, and make you feel a part of our Bellator Society. Hey, Bellator Society. Welcome to our live stream today. I'm Tracy Eddy, and Fran is joining me in, Nash- in Nashville, Tennessee, and I'm back in Arizona. I've been gone for about a month. We were on the road. We took a great American um, cross-country trip, but it's so good to be back home in my home studio, and we are joined today by a very special guest. Her name is Michelle Shackle, and she is joining us to talk about her son, who is the subject of a miracle um, that is moving Father McGivney forward in the beatification process. Um, so welcome. We cannot wait to hear about your story and, and just everything that entails that entails. I don't think I know anyone who has ever been in this position, so this is so special for us. Thank you very much. I, I've never known anyone that's been in this position either. I never thought it would be me, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, I tell us, it. tell us about, um, you know, tell us a little bit about the diagnosis that your son had um, and, and, and what that looked like. And, and then we'll just okay. kind of take, go through your whole process and your story. We can't wait to hear it. Sure. So uh, I was Methodist. And so to explain what happened to Michael, I need to just give a little bit of um, why I came to love Father McGivney. Uh, We, uh, I married Dan in 1997. And so it was in that process that I came through the church. And um, we, when we we struggled a little bit with being open to life and then we decided that everything we would just lay at God's feet and so God started sending us this big beautiful family I never imagined I'd be the mother of 13 it was just one baby at a time yeah one yeah. more baby yes Lord we'll have one more child and so uh, there was a point where uh, Dan got a job with the Knights of Columbus because we, we realized in our community that there weren't any jobs that could take care of such a big family. And so he started looking for other options and he went to work for the Knights of Columbus in their insurance department. And so that, um, that was when I learned about Father McGivney. I'd never even known anything about him. And we, uh, we actually share a birthday, Father McGivney and I, <laughs> because God, I've learned that God writes your story. You just have to agree and walk with him. Right. And can so, I back up real quick? Can sure. you tell our audience who Father McGivney is? I, yes. I didn't even, I, I did a very poor job of, of I'm this sorry, introduction. I'm sorry. Sure. <laughs> so the Knights of Columbus is a fraternal Catholic organization for men. And Father McGivney was a priest in Connecticut and he actually founded the Knights of Columbus. He, um, he, he, there were, well, he was, the, he was the oldest of 13 children and he, uh, there was a point where he had to come home and take care of his family because of a death. And so when he started the Knights of Columbus, it was to, um, 
counteract some of the negativity toward Catholics so men would have a group to be strong together. But he also had the insurance side, which would protect women and orphans. And so my husband looks at his job as he protects mothers orphans and so to him it's a vocation it's not just a, and so father mcgiveny for us was kind of um the head person of the vocation that he's yeah. that our family's been called to so i just found in my life that uh little things that happened if we asked father mcgiveny to pray for us the next week i would notice it was just taken care of and so when i came into the church i really had a problem with Mary and the saints and the intercession to me, it felt like idolatry. And so as, um, as I worked through that, I realized the power and the love of those in heaven praying for us. So I, we just, he just kind of became our guy. You know, when uh, you lose something and you say, St. Anthony, St. Anthony. So he was my other guy. <laughs> uh, he was my guy that I always asked. So then we, we love Saint Anthony. He's he's the, the most overworked saint. Sometimes how could we live without him? Right? I mean, I, I lose everything. Uh, just finding socks in a family with that many children. You know, yes, he's very, I can imagine. He's very busy at our house. So you move forward, and we had twelve children, and um, we announced to our children, and that would have been Christ- Christmas of two thousand and fourteen. We were having another child. And some of my pregnancies are hard, so there were mixed emotions about it. And we went to our first initial ultrasound. I'll try to go fast because it's a long story. They said there was a problem. And uh, it's called a nuclear fold on the back of the neck. And they saw that. And they said, so it's probably some kind of chromosome problem. It could be many things. So they were pushing me to have the new DNA test. But I didn't want that because I realized that so many people that have that, being pregnant so many times, I knew they would push me to have an abortion. And that's just not an option, right? And so um, I didn't want the test. And then she said, no, it could be spina bifida. And we can do something about that. And I said, oh, give me the test. So we found out he had Down syndrome just a few weeks before the other diagnosis. Mm -hmm. And so... Um, honestly, when I first heard, my husband was like, that's the best news in the world, but I'm the logistical mom that homeschools them. And so I never didn't want Michael, but I just thought, how am I going to do this with a special needs child? And I remember telling Daniel, I need someone to do my laundry. Like I have to, I can't. You kind of need someone anyway to do your laundry. (laughs) But I was like, I need someone just to do my laundry because I knew it would mean, uh, PT appointments, you know, all of those things. And so, so I had gotten used to the idea and then, um, we went, they sent me to the maternal fetal medicine clinic because I'm a, what is it they call? Um, Geriatric. Yes. They have another word. What is it? Advanced, advanced maternal, maternal age. age. That's right. Yeah. And Been I have there. so many. Yeah. So I go in and there, if you go into, if you've had more than three or four children, you go in and they look at you and there, so I had to go there because he had Down syndrome and I'm advanced maternal age and I'd had so many. So, um, the doctor, I loved her right away. Um, I always will. She, uh, she looked at me and said, there's a, uh, 
there's a serious problem. It's called high drops. And um, <clears throat> some of you might want to look it up later. It's a, it's a hard diagnosis. And she said, your son with, uh, the, with Down syndrome and high drops and the way that it is, he, he won't live. And she said, I'm very sorry. Um, his, he, and so she showed me on the ultrasound, you can see the fluid, it'll look white on a 2D ultrasound. And so she was showing me, here it is in his lungs, here it is all around his body. His little body looked white because it was between his skin. Here it is around his liver, his kidneys. And she said, he will die and his, his lungs will fill up and he will die. So, um, I, at 19, had given birth to a full-term baby that was stillborn, and I have to say that was probably the hardest journey I've ever taken, and I became, I was instantly terrified of having another stillbirth, and Daniel, and she said, I'm sorry, there's no hope, and Daniel said, I need a percentage, I need to know what percentage she has of living, and she said, there is no hope. It's zero percent. And so um, we leave and we go home. Our sweet priest, Father Matthew, he took us to the side and told us that we bury the baby here. Uh, it, you know, God always has a plan. It might be best because they're so, you know, he was so comforting. And that night I became angry. And I was in the bathtub crying and Daniel came in and he can't really handle me crying a lot. And so I was weeping and he said something and we were kind of in a fight even. Uh, and he walked out and I just remember going into the bedroom and I literally in a towel laid down on the floor crying. Uh, and, and for one moment I thought, is it an abortion if there's no hope? I don't know if I can do this again. And then my next thought was, of course, it's an abortion, no matter what. You can never do that. But the thought crossed my mind. I think it's important for women to know that we're vulnerable. We're scared. We don't know what to do, right? And so Daniel, in desperation, went over to our little side uh, chair, and he was praying, and he got up, and he said, I asked Father McGivney to heal him, and if he does, we're naming him Michael. And we were going to name him Ben, Benedict Ives, after my grandpa, because moms who have a baby with Down syndrome are called the lucky few, and my grandpa's name was Lucky, and so I just thought that was beautiful. <laughs> and so he said, we're going to name him Michael, and I said, Daniel, I really wanted to name him Ben, okay, <laughs> really, and I was just so upset, and so... After, after the initial me thinking about it and how I love Father McGivney, we both got on board. I uh, contacted my dear friend Erin Morrell, and she went out in our local homeschool mamas and asked all of them to pray. And we, we, we had already, so the Knights of Columbus has a trip, and you learn one January where you're going the next year. So we had known for a year we were going to Fatima. It was their first uh, wow. pilgrimage. And so we were, we were destined to go to Fatima in, in like two and a half weeks at that point. Wow. I think I was uh, seven, let's see, probably about 19 weeks. Mm -hmm. So at 20 weeks, so I had to go back and see her one more time. 
And uh, just because I was terrified the baby would die while I was in Europe. Mm -hmm. And so I looked around at all the hospitals and all of those things and uh, knew where I would deliver if he did. And I had a dear friend give me a a Christian gown in case I needed to bring him home. And it had been embroidered on it. And so we were prepared. And and Daniel was just like, absolutely, we're not preparing for anything like that. But I, I had to know that if I gave birth to a baby, I could bury him without having to do a lot of thinking. So I had to write it all down. And really until I wrote it down, I could not give it to God. Like I could be emotionally ready if it happened or if it didn't. Right. Because I never thought God couldn't heal him, but I have other babies in heaven. Like they all have their own story. It might not be his plan. And so uh, the doctor wrote me an excuse to go and said I was fine to go. And she said, I don't think he'll die until you get back uh, because he's he's about the same. It had been a week. And she said, the fluid's not going, uh, accumulating real heavily, but it will at one point. There'll be a point where it just happens quickly. And she said, um, she said, you're going to love Fatima. I've been there. And I said, oh, doctor, I promise to bring you something back. And uh, so we leave out and we go and we were blessed to go to Rome and Father Michael Fye was there studying and he blessed him. He found out and he just took us to St. Peter's and mm-hmm. said a mass there uh, and prayed for Michael there. It was Anna. And then um, a few days later, we go to Fatima and the whole time we weren't telling a lot of people, but on these trips, you meet people every year. So they kind of become your friends. So we had a few people that we talked to. And then the day we were in Fatima, I'd ask our father, uh, my, my dear father, Matthew, to say a mass at home. And all of my friends were praying that day because we had said, please pray the day we go to Fatima. And um, I've had a lot of questions about why is it not a Fatima miracle? Mm-hmm. But see, in our family, we're consecrated to our lady. Mm-hmm. And so we give her everything and she takes it to Jesus. And so going to Fatima was a very important to me that the prayers be on that day. Mm-hmm. And um, because I know a mother understands. And so they've asked me during the process, when did you, they, you know, a lot of people will pray a certain prayer and put a relic or do something like that. Where this, was there ever a moment like that? And mm-hmm. I said, no, I just kept saying, God, let Michael be Father McGivney's miracle. Because I knew if he was the miracle, that meant he would live. And that's all I wanted. I wanted the high drops gone. Mm. And so we're there in Fatima and uh, very beautiful. We got to see uh, Jacinta's, you know, where they're buried, Jacinta and Francisco. Just a very beautiful day. Uh, so much about Pope John Paul there, too. Just just a beautiful place beautiful people on their knees kneeling and crawling in reparation to the church uh portugal has the most beautiful people i've ever known um so we go in and father john kalish who works with the knights of columbus and new haven is there and he's this beautiful dominican priest he's six and a half foot tall he's gentle giant and he starts reading the readings of the day 
And the centurion comes and says, Lord, come and heal my son. He's going to die. And um, Jesus said, people do not believe unless there are signs and wonders. You may go in peace. Your son will live. And so that was a great consolation to me. And uh, so we come back and Dan had to go to work, which I was pretty mad about, but we've been gone 10 days, right? So <laughs> Who's going to do the laundry? But God works everything out. Every time Dan hasn't been part of the story, it's because God didn't want him to, right? And so I'm upset that I have to go find out how Michael is by myself. And I'm having this ultrasound. And it seems like forever. And I see just a little bit of white on the screen. And, of course, that's what I'm looking for. And I start crying. And I said, that looks, that looks like something in the lungs. And she smiled. And she said, she printed off a picture of him. And she said, dear, this is the most beautiful baby I've ever seen in my life. And so, of course, we were calling him Ben. His name was Ben. And um, then a beautiful doctor came in. Her name is Mary. She's one of my favorites of all time, a beautiful human being. So she starts talking about when Michael's born and these little babies with Down syndrome, they, they're kind of funny and they have to be born early because their little hearts, half of them have problems, blah, blah, blah. And so I just stopped her in the middle and I said, doctor, I was told there was no hope. And she kind of starts looking at the chart and then she looks up at me and she said, you just went to Fatima, right? And I said, yes, ma'am. And she said, oh, honey, there's always hope with God. So then she starts explaining how the fluid is just gone. And she said, he has just a little bit in his left lung, but that's really common. Sometimes babies just have a little bit of fluid somewhere. It's like a little cold. It's not, you know, that'll go away. And so she's just talking and I'm sitting there and you can't really comprehend it. Right. And then she said, sweetheart, what's your baby's name? And I said, well, doctor, it looks like his name is Michael. <laughs> and so that's, we never called him Ben, except for my Genevieve really liked the name Ben. And when he was born, she kind of did a coup with all the children. And they, <laughs> they made signs to go in the NICU that said, we love Ben. So we still have those because she really wanted. And I said, honey, God changed the name, not me. I'm not changing it back, right? So then it takes a long time to digest mm -hmm. and I've thought about it a lot and I I won't digest it for the rest of my life because I had a child that died she would have been 30 I, I've actually had five children die, but she was born still right and I missed her every day every birthday everything that's ever happened in our lives she wasn't there and so it's a daily reminder of, to me of the mercy of God and that he can never be outdone in generosity. Yeah. So I knew it was a miracle, but like one thing, it's a miracle, but then like it's the miracle, bonafide, everyone. Those are different, right? You don't even comprehend that yet. Yeah. And um, I didn't realize, I, I called 
the office to ask them. I was having lots of problems. So, oh, very important, I forgot to mention <laughs> that mothers get something called mirror syndrome. And so with Michael's diagnosis came the diagnosis that I could die if I started taking on his fluid. And so she had actually told me, you know, if you start getting sick, Michelle, we have to have a very serious conversation. So that was part of that initial anger and hurt and confusion was that I could seriously get sick and die. Um, so anyway, um, I feel like I've taken over. Do you need to ask questions? Or is <laughs> you are just telling the best story. <laughs> <laughs> Don't mind us. I'm afraid that I'll miss something that you want to know, right? No. And so, but I can just tell his story because it's my life, right? It's easy to do. So we were at before Michael was born, right? Right before he's born. Oh yeah, I called the nurse, and she says, "Oh, you're the miracle baby's mama." And so I'm like, um, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm the Miracle Baby's mama. And she said, uh, we don't say that word here. You know, we don't, we work with science. I just want you to realize what a big deal this is. And um, so then we go on and uh, the fluid in my cord was not, um, flowing correctly and so um our dear michael's godfather was being ordained a deacon on march 15th and uh daniel had to go to a conference in texas he left on the feast of our lady of fatima uh may 13th and uh he said i don't want to leave it i said the baby's due in july just go it's fine so here I am, uh, just big as a barrel with these little beautiful babies falling behind me. We were going to get an ultrasound that day. Um, and then I was going to go over and go to the ordination because it was just right down the road. And um, so we're going into the office and one of the children's crying and all this is going on. And I, I was kind of hateful to him. I said, I wish I would just touch. We're going to go in here. It's going to take 10 minutes and then we're going to have, we're going to go to, we were going to my grandson's birthday party. We've got all this planned. It's going to be fine. Just please be quiet for 20 minutes so I get the soldier sound, right? So I walk in and they're like, no, you're having a baby today. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And so my daughter who had just turned 16 and couldn't really drive, I mean, she didn't know how to drive well. We have a 15 passenger van, had to leave and take the children home in a 15 passenger van. And the only reason we've all survived this many years is because of all the guardian angels, right? Because <laughs> she just a distracted mom, right? So, yeah, they tell the story how they almost died the day Michael was born. <laughs> so, the two doctors, the one that gave me the initial diagnosis and the doctor who told me that he was going to live, they both wanted to deliver and so they insisted and the initial doctor walked in the door and she said michelle i never thought we would be here and uh and i said doctor we don't have to talk about any of that i have a gift for you and we just both wept. I had brought her up. I'd had a medal in my purse in case I saw her with the dirt from Fatima. And she took it on and she put it around her neck. And they delivered me. And she said I was very calm. 
But so much had happened. The idea of him being born didn't scare me, no matter what they did to me, right? She said, I've never done a C-section where the mother's so calm. <laughs> and then she, she made a comment about how uh, my uterus looked beautiful. And I, just because there's women on here, right? That's one thing. <laughs> and to have had so many children. And I said, I want that documented in my book. <laughs> Because I've had doctors forever tell me, you don't have any more. You've had too many, right? And so that's just a woman moment for the it's man. It's just a compliment you want to hear. That's just something you want to hear. It needs to be written down. Yeah, for the man, I'm sorry you had to hear that. But that was important to me as a mama, right? And so she came around and she said, it has been the honor of my life to deliver your little baby. Mm. And so. I will always love her. So this is the first doctor yes, who diagnosed she's the Michael. One. Yes, mm-hmm. she's the one that said. No hope. There is no hope. Yeah. He will not live. And so Daniel was angry at her, but I never was. Because mm-hmm. she did say, if you need to induce now, you can or will wait and he'll die. But there's absolutely no hope. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so then we have friends with the Knights of Columbus, of course. Right, because that's who Dan Mm -hmm. works for. And he just called his boss and said, you know, we've had some stuff happen. You might want to look into it. And that's really what started it. That's That's what started it. So uh, Michael, uh, he had um, a heart defect, which is 50% of babies do. He was born with Down's babies. Yes, Down's baby. I'm sorry. It was 50% of babies with trust. Trisomy 21 have a heart defect. So he had one of the most simple kinds. They had to go in and fix an arch. But they needed him to be 38 weeks, and he was born at 31 weeks. Mm-hmm. He was a little bitty, little bitty peanut, you know, and we just <laughs> loved him. And um, so we watched him grow. Mm-hmm. And um, when he was exactly 38 weeks on July 6th, they repaired the arch. And uh, so we were there 70 days before he got to come home. Oh, wow. So the homecoming to me was like when the miracle really happened. Um, because there's always that wonder. Mm-hmm. And I kind of held it together. And there's, it's so hard to be at a hospital that long, off and on. And mm-hmm. so I was off and on when he was in the NICU. But when he had his heart surgery, I never left. I could not leave. And, um, I was, I was even kind of selfish about it. Like if there was one person, I said, no, it's going to be me. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just admit that freely. It's just (laughs) who I was. Right. But I remember calling Daniel on the phone and saying, we're almost home. And that's when I probably cried for three days because yeah, you just, that's when you You can can breathe. You're, you're free enough to just cry. You kind of get in a, a mode of just staying alive and trying mm-hmm. to keep him alive. Um, so it was right after that that we uh, it contacted them and the postulator came to visit us. And okay, tell us what a postulator is. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes. Tell, so you're- Brian Caulfield. So when there's a, I've, I've had to study this myself. So I. Yeah. I do not know this perfectly. I may say some of this wrong. Let's just give that disclosure, right? <laughs> you know so more the, than we do. Yes. <laughs> well, yeah, sure. Because I have lived I'm it. not so calling Brian, you out. <laughs> Brian works for the Knights of Columbus. He's a writer for a really good magazine. 
pardon me, um, and he helps with all of their things like that. But he also helps with any of the people that say that, so it's, they, there's favors, like they've asked Father McGivney and a miracle's happened. Mm -hmm. And so he's the person that would get all of that paperwork together mm -hmm. and send it to Rome. Mm -hmm. Right. So he's, and it's, it's, it's a lot of trial. Mm -hmm. um, and so first there's an initial interview to see, and then they pull, I can't remember, I guess he pulled our medical records first. I had to release those. Mm -hmm. And, um, there was a point, there was a place in my medical records too, that said something about hydro uh, mirror syndrome. And so I was confused about that and I didn't know. And so I needed him to look at them. Right. And so he went through all those and he got some doctors to look at them. And then he came down and he, um, interviewed us and, um, Michael's such a joy, even if he wasn't a miracle. Right. So, uh, Michael loved him right away. And so he asked us, I, the one question I remember him asking is, why didn't you pray for the Down syndrome to be gone? Mm -hmm. And I've been asked that a lot. So I'll just answer. That would be like saying, my Danielle doesn't have beautiful brown eyes. Um, that my little Jamie doesn't love music. That my son in the seminarian wouldn't love the mass even when he was two, right? Mm -hmm. Just playing mass. Like, how could I say, I don't want the gift you've given me, Lord? Mm -hmm. So it never crossed my mind. Mm -hmm. uh, it scared me a little bit. But God, uh, the, th the thing I've learned is that when God writes your story and you're scared and afraid and you're vulnerable, and it's hard and you don't want to do it, the story is so much more beautiful than if you wrote it yourself, right? So he came in and he met him. And so then they say, okay, you have to go before a tribunal. And uh, the Dice of National has never had a tribunal. It's our first ever. And what so, is a tribunal? A tribunal. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so a tribunal is, is essentially it's a court that looks right. at a case for a favor. They also, you know, they do other things, annulments, those kind of things. But it's you. you it's church it's, talk. It's Catholic church it talk. For, it is. For, it is. So I went in into one of the churches here, and there were this vast people. There were there was a doctor. I believe he was Jewish. He was lovely. He was a nice man. Uh, I, the thing I remember about it the most was that when I said his name is Michael, like, like we did, he cried and I cried and everybody cried, but he was the doctor. And because when he said, well, how much percentage? And I said, You're still good. Can you hear okay. us? I'm sorry. I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> so I said, uh, my bad, my plug-in's not working. I apologize, guys. <laughs> I've had it plugged in, but it's not plugging it in. So I said, uh, his name is Michael, and he began to cry. And um, so then all of that went through. And I didn't know until the, the miracle was proclaimed that. Which was just recently in May. Yes. Yeah. So this happened, this would have happened the year after Michael was born. So the initial interview was 2016 and it takes a while for it to go through. Um, 
And, and we, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but we've talked no, about no. that on our, on our podcast and interviews. Anybody that thinks that the church just kind of willy nilly says that, that sounds like a miracle. That seems miraculous. We'll, we'll sure. take it. Yeah. No, that's, that that's not, not what they That's did. not how the church At works. All. Okay. No, they actually, um, there was, I'm going to move in here with my battery, guys. I'm so sorry. So <laughs> then it'll just actually, mean we have to do part two. <laughs> there was actually a, um, there was actually a, uh, it goes through a long process. It goes through an initial process where they look at the paperwork and they have to make sure everything looks um, looks like it's all the paperwork has to be perfect. Mm -hmm. And so there can be a time then that they asked for other information. Um, then they, um, they go through a series of doctors and so whatever, so there's different kinds of miracles. Um, usually they're medical. Mm -hmm. um, a martyr, of course, wouldn't have to go through the physician's part. So they took what happened to Michael and they find people who specialize in whatever the person's been cured of. And they see if, um, they see if uh, it's, it looks like a miracle, but there's a panel of doctors so in the first phase, if any of the doctors say no, mm -hmm. then um, if any of the doctors say no, then it, it, it automatically is just kicked out. Mm -hmm. And um, are so your doctors part of this first part? There are doctors that look through every piece of information. And I didn't know this until after. But I'm sorry. It's okay. Yeah, I think you, you may have been answering the question before I asked it. Were your doctors part of that first part? Did they testify as like the, so, the two yes. doctors that you've mentioned? Okay. Yes, absolutely they did. And they actually, um, I didn't know this until it was announced. I didn't know a lot of things because it really wasn't my, my business. After he was saved, I got to keep the miracle. And if God wanted it to go further, that was up to God. That's just how I've always felt about it. And so um, th there was over 20 people at Vanderbilt that gave testimony that there was no explanation for what happened. Mm -hmm. uh, because there's just no, I mean, there's just no medical explanation. It just doesn't disappear that way. I mean, you have all the pictures. You have all of the ultrasounds. I mean, the medical records. That It's not like they missed something. Because I think that's what a lot of people think. Like, it's a miracle maybe because you just didn't know what it was before. And now everything turned out fine. Maybe it was a misdiagnosis. But like, you, like, have the the again the ultrasounds the opinions from the radiologists from the you know neonatologist all of these things like you you have that yes and actually the doctor she's she's a very renowned doctor she's brilliant and she she called around to hydrox specials all over the nation i know that the a few days later because she thought maybe i made a mistake mm -hmm. Right. And they were like, no, you didn't make a mistake. There's no explanation for this. And so essentially that's what we were proving that there mm -hmm. was no mistake that he just, that it just, the hydrox miraculously disappeared. That's amazing. And so it went through the doctor stage 
and then it has to go through a, I'm sorry about my computer, guys. You're totally fine. Uh, yeah, it went through, it has to go through a theological study. All of these different people look at it. And after it gets through so many stages, they, they take a vote of a board of many people. And, um, and the Holy Father has to read it and see if he thinks it's the real thing. And he signs off of it. And that's when it's, to, you know, they, they say he'll be a blessed. So the first, uh, for those who don't know, the, when, a, when a person becomes a saint, first you're called a, a venerable. They look at your life and say this was a person of God, um, a, a venerable servant of God. And so right now, Father McGivney is known as Venerable Michael J. McGivney. And so after you have one miracle, they call you a blessed. And so when you're a venerable, you can, the church gets permission for those people to, you can ask that person in heaven to pray for you. And so it, the miracle sh is to say, look how much God loves this person and wants to honor what they did in their lives. Mm -hmm. And so the first miracle would be, he, he will be called a blessed. And then the second miracle, he will be called a saint. Mm -hmm. So this is his process of becoming a blessed. And that will actually happen in October, October 31st in New Haven. They just announced that. So are y'all going to be part of the ceremony? Or are you going to get to, I mean, I'm assuming you, you, you're going to go and be, be present. Well, I'm going to the mass, even if they tell me I can't. Right? <laughs> I, would, I would think that the. Michael's so cute. Like, you just got to look him up if you haven't seen him before, guys, because he is the cutest little guy. That extra chromosome is like the cute. You are so beautiful with that extra chromosome. So, yeah, he's, it, you know, they, they all want to meet him, too. Like, who doesn't want to meet the miracle baby? Yeah, One right. thing we're worried about is that he'll be the most spoiled child in the world because he's the youngest of 13, and he's a miracle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you might even say he has no hope, and yet he kind of is hope. So I do have people tell me all the time, oh, he'll never be able to do this. And, I'm, and I just look at him and go, yeah, right. <laughs> no, it's not my, it's not my doing. It's yeah. right. Yeah, but absolutely. I'm my children since this has happened. It's all God's story. Yeah. Amen. Michelle, you and I have chatted before, and I know that this is like the tip of the iceberg of what God has done in your life. Uh, you did mention that you have a son who's a seminarian who has a pretty amazing story too. And you've told me little, little snippets of so many of your things. What, would you, I know we're coming up on time. Would you promise to come back and talk to us about all of the other things? So I need to explain to my friends out there, if you wonder about the Virgin Mary, that nobody loves anybody like a boy loves his mama. And I struggled with the saints in, Virgin, in the Virgin Mary. And I want to come back and explain how she loves you. And it doesn't take anything from Jesus. Yeah. Right. Because nobody loves anybody the way a boy truly loves his mama. Oh, I love it. I love it. I'm so Amen. excited. I'm so excited that we get to share this story today. And I'm super excited that there's, there's more to come. Um, as, as we close up, one final question. How has this miracle affected the faith of, of your family and your other children? 
um, do they understand what's going on? Because you do have littles, you know. Um, oh, he's even, our baby. He's our baby, yeah. Yeah, but you do have, like, ones that are, like, just, just older than he okay. is. And so during the whole process, they were very little. Yes, and so we have a beautiful family. They span from 27 to 5, and we have four grandchildren. Um, and so it's it has affected some way more deeply than others. Mm -hmm. So I say the children in the middle that were early teens when it happened, I have to say it probably changed their lives forever. Um, It changed our family because I, I forget where to put my focus sometimes. And then you look at this little guy, my, I mean, there are miracles, there are other miracles, but my miracle goes, mommy, I love you so much, so much I love you. And I, my, my little miracle breathes and runs and gets into things and um, it's different. It, mm-hmm. it makes you just look at it and go, thank you, Jesus. Thank you so much for every gift, every child every child um yeah that's how it's changed us so Genevieve and Nathan and Mary I'd say it changed the most Mm -hmm. um but they were at home and they saw the struggle and they were they a lot of the children went to school and things and so they were here when we brought him home he he got very sick again in January from an infection um so they they walked that entire road with me and it's not an easy road, but it's the most beautiful road I've ever been given. Um, so all, everything about Michael's, not just the miracle part, but his whole life has changed us. Awesome. I think it's changed us too. (laughs) Being able to hear the story first person, um, is, is a gift. Thank you for being on the live stream today. It is Thank such you. a gift. And we, I cannot wait to follow this story and to hear more as, as you know, the, the process continues and progresses and, and just your experiences. And, and we can't wait, wait to watch Michael grow up and see the, obviously amazing things he's destined for. So thank you And you so said much. we need to be in New Haven, Connecticut on what day? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I saw her Halloween and my, my son who's like was like, Mother, that is not called Halloween. That is all Hallows Eve. Good, so good Catholic thank boy. You. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, Michelle, thanks so much for joining us. Thank Have a great you. rest of your day. We'll be in touch. You too. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us today on Bellator Colloquium. Please look for Bellator Society on everything social, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. And if you like what we're doing here on this podcast, we would love for you to share that with us. Rate us on iTunes to help us get the word out and share, share, share. We cannot wait to chat next time right here on Bellator Colloquium, the conversation for online warriors for the true, good, and beautiful.